Hello and welcome to the United MEC Leading Edge podcast. Today we continue our new series called Piloting Your Mind. I'm the United MEC spokesman, Captain James Belton. We are taking resilience a bit further and faster into the skies today. We have our SOAR Committee Chairman, Captain Lynn Tatum. Lynn, tell us about your guest this week. Jim, um, I discovered our guest, Hazard Lee, and I know you're going to introduce his full name, but uh, we're going to call him Hazard. I discovered him when I was researching a topic that you mentioned in an earlier podcast where you had to use mindfulness as a fighter pilot. And I thought that was a real interesting subject, and I basically just did a big Google search and came up with a lot of events and noticed Justin on the Military Sandbox site. Uh, another plus for having Hazard is that he's Academy grad. It's Air Force Academy for those of you. <laughs> um, anyway, so I thought that the fighter pilots take on resiliency through the COVID crisis just sounded pretty fascinating. And then as a reminder, you know, I'm here just as a representative of the SOAR committee on this podcast effort. And I hope pilots will find this uh, as a useful resource and learn through others' experiences. Well, Lynn, I certainly like the uh, the call sign being a fighter pilot myself. Um, uh, and as a fighter pilot, I, I'm, I'm happy about that, but I, I wasn't good enough to get into the academy. So uh, being with two uh, academy grads here might be a little bit intimidating. Uh, Justin uh, Hazardly, uh, he's a major in the uh, United States Air Force, currently flies an F-35 has an F-16 background, uh, and uh, so there's some interesting things there. Uh, Hazard, can you introduce yourself and tell us uh, why you wanted to start your own podcast? Uh, I believe that the title of that is The Professional's Playbook. Yeah, sure, Jim. Thanks for having me, and Lynn, thanks for reaching out. Uh, yeah, right now I fly F-35s. I'm training the next generation of pilots on, on the F-35, the Air Force's newest fighter I flew the F-16 before that. I was stationed in Korea as well as South Carolina and went to Afghanistan as well. And it was when I came back from Afghanistan that the town of Carefree, just north of Phoenix, they wanted a speaker on Memorial Day. And so I gave a speech about co combat and uh, what it means to, to lose people out there. And there's a woman in the crowd who worked for the Veterans Heritage Project, and she reached out to me and wanted me to come into schools and help bridge that disconnect between civilian students and what we do in the military. And so I was doing that for a while and the students seemed to really uh, gravitate towards it and there wasn't a lot of information out there. So I thought starting a podcast would be a good way to uh, help other students that I wasn't able to uh, actually talk to physically. And one thing about the fighter world is a lot of the information is close hold and not because it's classified or anything, just because we're really busy. And um, so I thought there'd be a good way to help share that information. And I suspected that other career fields were similar. So I went to uh, some astronauts, Scott Parazinski, five-time shuttle astronaut, as well as Terry Verts, International Space Station Commander. I went to uh, Chris Voss, who is the lead FBI uh, international kidnapping negotiator as well as Charlie Plum and some other, Charlie Plum is a, a POW veteran and went to them and started to get their lessons learned because as you know, Jim, in the fighter world, uh, lessons learned are what we feed off of and how we get better. So I thought I could take some of their lessons learned and help to expose some of the students to those lessons. 
So Justin, in that sandbox article I discovered, you mentioned the importance of decision-making and how it relates to your job description as a fighter pilot. That really drew me into the rationale and I thought that our pilot group would really benefit from hearing more. Can you expound on that and tell us, first of all, what Sandbox is? So Sandbox News is a uh, military news site. And so I write articles for them. I wrote one on mental resilience, on decision-making, on debriefing. A lot of the information that that we learn in the military, I try to share that uh, with the uh, with the public. That's obviously not not classified. And uh, yeah, so that's a big um, topic that we deal with is mental resilience and trying to um, focus on the present moment and not get um, bogged down by stress and things that are happening like that. So I thought there'd be a good opportunity to share that information with the public. Because at the end of the day, as pilots, we are decision makers. Whether you're a fighter pilot or whether you're a civilian pilot, we're making lots of decisions, hundreds of decisions on each flight. And not every decision is going to be great. No pilot has flown a perfect sortie. So it's really important to, when you make a error, which we're all going to make, to not dwell on that error and to focus on the next task at hand. Because you're already consumed with uh, with flying. And if you are spending some of those brain bites, as we call them, on a mistake that you made, then you're not going to have as many of those brain bites for the next decision that you're making. That certainly makes sense. And I, uh, I, I uh, enjoyed how you spoke about who you spoke to in terms of astronauts and, uh, and, and people with, uh, that work in this high stress environment. I know that uh, in our business, our cockpit resource management has has jumped the professional uh, boundaries and the medical profession is using it. Uh, there are other high stress jobs that, are, that use our techniques. And um, with this resiliency that we are speaking about and your expertise with that, it's often used in your line of work to keep yourself alive. I know that, that, that we do the same thing in our line of work as uh, airline pilots and fighter pilots. Often the thing that, uh, that uh, connects us is that if we make a mistake, we pay the ultimate price. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you use in terms of keeping you alive uh, in the uh, combat arena and how that may relate to uh, the decision-making that our pilots would make. Yeah. So a lot of it goes back to sports psychology and that's something that uh, I learned at the Air Force Academy when I boxed uh, Air Force Academy is located in Colorado Springs and the Olympic Training Center is also in Colorado Springs. So they would have sports psychologists come and, and work with us and they would work with us on staying in the present moment, on visualization and on mental self-talk. And I applied those things to, to pilot training and it really helped out. And the Air Force, at least here at Luke Air Force Base, has really invested heavily on that. So it's changed quite a bit in the last uh, last 10 years or so. So staying in the present moment, we, we talked to that briefly, but yeah, you want to focus on the next decision that you have. You don't wanna worry about a mistake that you made or you don't wanna worry too far in the future. You just wanna worry on what can have an outcome on the, the task at hand. Visualization, that's something that, that all Air Force pilots at least learn in pilot training. It's called chair flying. So you can go through an entire sortie in your mind, and that really helps with preparation. It really helps with it being able to conceptualize information 
and find something in a book and actually be able to use that in the air because our closure rates are averaging over a thousand miles an hour, about a mile every three seconds. So it's really easy for something for the wheels to fall off when we're, uh, when we're making uh, decisions. So uh, staying in that present moment is important. Visualization is important and mental self-talk is important. Mental self-talk really has a lot to do with confidence. And anytime you are making decisions that uh, have life and death consequences, it's important to, to have confidence. So that mental self-talk of not berating yourself is, is really important and trying to get to that next decision or that next point, whatever your uh, journey is. The, uh, the things that would uh, help me out in those thousand knot closure intercepts was uh, adrenaline and, uh, and self-preservation. And, uh, and drawing on that, uh, I had some combat missions over Afghanistan, and I'm sure when you were over there, you saw that those missions would uh, leave you needing sleep and rest and, uh, and that ability to strive for resilience. I used some uh, meditation to help me quickly come down from the rigors of a 12-hour mission. And uh, when I first started flying F-16s over Afghanistan, we did have 10 and 12-hour missions. Uh, imagine that in a single-seat fighter. And uh, we conducted close uh, air support combat missions I translated that experience to help me get rest on a 16-hour United Airlines flight to places like Mumbai and Hong Kong. Just being mindful of that, uh, uh, the fact that I was about to go on a break, preparing for sleep helped out tremendously and how I was going to do on the, uh, on the next portion of that leg. The transition to home life in terms of stress uh, can be difficult as well. I know that I struggle with compartmentalizing work life and home life. And I know that you're in a, in a place that I was years ago, Justin, that, uh, that we, we bring that stressful life in our jobs into our home life. So what techniques do you use for resiliency in your home life after the stressful days in the cockpit? Well, I'm glad you brought up meditation and it sounds like we had kind of a similar path. I remember being in Afghanistan and the missions were, were really stressful. We were very busy out there and we were the only fighter squadron in the country. So we were responding to firefights all over the country. And after a few months, I could tell I was pretty stressed out and I started meditating and that has really helped out a lot. I think meditation is a great tool and uh, you're basically just practicing what you're doing. That staying in that present moment. When you meditate, you're focusing, at least I'm focusing on my breath doesn't have to be spiritual or any of that stuff. You're just focusing on your breath and thoughts are definitely, definitely going to come into your mind and that's okay. You just want to not get sucked into those thoughts. You want to identify that you're thinking and let them go. And that's exactly what you're trying to do in the air. When you make a mistake, you have that thought, you're grading yourself. I'm going to fail this flight. Uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, what are my colleagues going to say? You want to take that thought. It's natural to have those thoughts and just let them go. And almost everybody I know says they're terrible at meditating. And the goal is not uh, to completely get rid of all your thoughts. The goal is to identify when you're having those thoughts, let them go, not berate yourself. And if you can just lower from 100% of those thoughts to 90%, that's, that's a big win. So I think meditation is a big aspect in uh, being able to apply those principles in a controlled aspect. Another thing, like you said, is the physical aspect. So when we're flying, we're pulling upwards of nine Gs, nine times the force of gravity. So I weigh about 230 pounds with my gear on. That's over 2,000 pounds of force. So a lot of that has 
And unfortunately, since 2001, we've lost 17 pilots uh, due to a G-induced loss of consciousness where the blood drains out of your, uh, your head. So we spend a lot on human factors, on getting enough sleep, on, and the Air Force has done a lot of studies on sleep. And they actually did a study where they reduced pilot sleep uh, by one hour chunks. And pilots actually, after about a week, got used to uh, that less than normal sleep. So they were feeling good, but when they tried them out in a simulator, they were actually making the same amount of mistakes or they were making more mistakes than they made uh, before. So getting a lot of sleep is important. Air Force, we uh, really emphasize uh, at least eight hours outer hours of sleep, staying hydrated. For us, that's important to uh, increase our G tolerance time, but I think that also helps. I think the mind and body are connected quite a bit. So um, uh, meditation, sleep, eating healthy, it, it's all linked together in terms of how much stress you're able to handle, how well you're able to adapt. There has been a shift in thinking when it comes to how pilots take care of themselves. A, uh, a bowl of cigarettes and a scotch was dinner for a pilot back in the day. <laughs> and uh, taking care of your physical health rather helps with your mind. Um, I'm certainly not a, a vision of physical fitness, but uh, there was a time when I was, a, was an athlete and a, it did make me feel a lot better. When you did some SEER training in the Air Force, and we had a Marine on last week, and we talked about that SEER training, that gave you some resiliency skills. I know the Marines do it a slightly different than we do, but uh, you want to talk about that and uh, how that helped you out? Yeah, I think anytime you're able to stress yourself a little bit, you come out stronger on the other end. There's really a, a sweet spot. If you are not stressed out at all, you're complacent, you're bored. So you want to be in that kind of middle zone. If you get too stressed out, then you really start to, uh, your performance starts to decrease. So SEER was a great school that helped add a little bit of stress and helped to push the boundaries a little bit. So if I've learned anything being a fighter pilot, it's that you can never be comfortable. In a single seat, uh, multi-role fighter, you're always learning, you're always a little bit uncomfortable. And that's a good feeling. It took me a long time to realize that that was a good thing. And it means you're, you're learning. You're always in the zone that you're pushing yourself a little bit further, Sears is a, a good example of that. So you mentioned previously about a sports psychologist and how they're introduced into your, your training now. That's something different from when the old guys like uh, Jim and myself went to pilot training. So can you expound on this concept? Like what is their role and how do they interface with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. As, as Jim was saying, back in the day, I think the F4 had an ashtray in it. So pilots they really did, did. weren't that healthy and the the the, uh, the uh, I, I briefed with some f4 guys and it was a, a four ship had eight people because they had the the backseater so uh eight people smoking in the in the briefing room uh, you would have a, a fog in there but uh yeah, they did have an ashtray that's funny yeah so they, so we've undergone a, a real radical shift from from that all the way to now they they treat us like athletes so we have uh sports psychologists that work with us and do a lot of that same stuff. And they're really focused on some of the, the younger pilots. It's a little bit difficult to train uh, old dogs with new tricks. So we're trying to get the B coursers here. And those are the people that are just out of pilot training, learn how, learning how to fly the F-35. So we're working with them on, on those different uh, aspects of sports psychology that we talked to before. We also have physical trainers. We have nutritionists. We have physical therapists because you know, that 2000 pounds of force on your body is pretty, pretty rough. So we actually have gone um, really, a really radical shift here at Luke Air Force Base to treat 
pilots like athletes. Even our gym is modeled after the, the Patriots, the NFL Patriots uh, gym. So it's been a big push and I think it's going to help out quite a bit. Because like I said, when I first joined the Air Force, I used a lot of these sports psychology things just because I got lucky and I was boxing and some of those Olympic Training Center sports psychologists came by. So I think it's, it's really encouraging. And I think the performance of the pilots, I can already attest to that as an instructor, seeing the amount of stress that they're able to handle, what they're able to adapt to is a little bit more than when I went through. As a civilian pilot, uh, and I started out that way, I was an airline pilot when I went to pilot training and uh, a little bit different, a little bit backwards, but, uh, but uh, the Airline Pilots Association is interested in how we would translate this type of resiliency in our training and the things that we went through as fighter pilots to maybe a young civilian guy, uh, 23, 24, 25 years old, sees himself in a uh, 737 cockpit flying maybe six legs a day that takes him back and forth across the country on a four-day trip with minimal sleep in a hotel that's that's uh, maybe a little bit noisy. And, uh, and yeah, we don't do the cigarettes anymore, but we do do French fries and, uh, and a beer if we have the time. So, so when we talk about that sports psychologist and that mentality, I'm sure that you would agree, uh, Justin, that, uh, that we do have a little bit of athletic nature in, in the flying and every aspect of our flying. It's a physical thing and that, and we go back and forth. Lynn, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely, Jim. I know I had to make it a, almost a rule that every time I got to the layover, I had to go get on the treadmill or get on the elliptical and, uh, always pretty, have a ritual for how long I slept. So I think, I think it's also really nice to know that the Air Force is getting a little almost touchy-feely, the whole concept of the whole mind and body working together. I mean, just recently, yoga was accepted for high-performing athletes, and now we're starting to incorporate that in our mind, too. I think it's, I think it's all positive. Lynn, you uh, you'd mentioned uh, earlier that you uh, there was a a point about uh, negative thoughts and positive thoughts. I know we were talking before the the broadcast here. Do you want to ask uh, Justin a question on that uh, in, ter- in terms of influence and media and social media and and how we control our minds in this profession? Yeah, I think that that's that's really hard because especially right now with all the negativity, it's just everywhere, and the whole world is experiencing it. And then you know. Every time you open your phone, every time you pop open your iPad, you get these social media alerts. Um, I know our moods can play a real influential role. You were talking about mindfulness, Justin. Could you expound on that and how we could maybe, well, you had said that we are seven times more to negative thoughts than positive ones. How do you literally turn yourself around and start thinking positively when you're sucked down a negative track? Well, it's difficult, especially right now with coronavirus. We are in, as as a fighter pilot, we call this contingency operations. So when we're planning a mission, we will go through a rehearsal of concept where we're trying to figure out exactly how we're going to do the mission. And then with the extra time we have available, we start going down a list of contingencies of what can happen. What happens if the F-22s fall out? What happens if a pilot goes down? Those, those types of things. And we are definitely in a contingency operation that I don't think anybody foresaw coming with coronavirus. And then when we go out and fly, we'll brief a mission, brief the mission beforehand. And at the end of the brief, we go into contingencies. What happens as the flight lead if I am not able to take off? What happens if I get shot down? Um, 
those types of things. So it's important to realize that we are now in a contingency operation. I think there's a lot of stress going on both at work in terms of having to fly with masks. I know it's difficult. We're wearing masks all the time. You lose a lot of the communication ability with that. It's a little bit more fatiguing as well. And then at home, it's a lot, uh, a lot different at least. And that can be difficult to be with, uh, to have more family there, to not be able to sleep as well. So I think the most tangible things would be to go back to what you were talking about, the, the physical side of things. So finding a way to go ahead and sleep eight hours. So sleep hygiene is really big. I'm sure it is with, with your pilots. It's really big with us. Sometimes we will be having 5 a.m. briefs and sometimes we're having uh, 7 p.m. briefs. So it's all over the place. And sometimes week to week, it changes like that much. So having good sleep, sleep hygiene, making sure to block out your uh, block out all the lights, making sure that you're not having caffeine too late, all that stuff, turn off your device about an hour before you go to bed. All these uh, habits will help you to get more sleep in terms of eating better. I know that's difficult with us. We're a lot of times going to TDY, going to different bases. And for me, what's helped is as soon as I stop at a place, I uh, go grocery shopping as opposed to stopping by Carl's Jr. or something like that. If I just go grocery shopping and now it's easy on your phone, you can just have it delivered right to your hotel room. But that's a lot a lot more helpful to me when I can get healthy food um, delivered to my room and I'm kind of forced to eat that as opposed to uh, some you know, you know junk food place. So I think it starts in the physical side. That's the most tangible thing. But at the end of the day, the mental side, um, I would say we already talked to meditation uh, having confidence in, in what you're doing, making sure you have a purpose, making sure you have a life outside of just your job, making sure that you have good relationships, a whole bunch of things that are, it's a little bit tough to to quantify, but I think all that combines to, to help, uh, help people to perform at a higher level, especially during these contingency operations. And then I think from uh, ops perspective, it's important to, not be pushing the ops tempo right now. We realize that everybody's a little bit more stressed out. It's important to dial it back a little bit, not do anything too different, not do anything dangerous. The acceptable level of risk might go up a little bit, but it's important for pilots to um, be able to say, hey, my, I'm too stressed out. I need a couple of days off so that I can recover. So Justin, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, and trying to get ourselves out of a negative focus, you know, whether our pilots are facing potential furlough or being moved to a different seat or having to commute, those are all sort of negative experiences. But one thing that I've read in resiliency magazines and books and we've alluded to in previous episodes that kind of parallels what you mentioned here was to perhaps list, I mean, you talked about contingency plans. So the uncertainty is also often worse than actually knowing what's happening. And since pilots, you know, we like to control things and there's very little we can control. Some, some things that I've read that we could do are to make a list of all the positive things that are going on in our lives and then maybe make an equal list of the negative things and setting aside a certain amount of time to review both of those and trying to always end with the positive things and perhaps even reading them out loud and listening to yourself, reading them, that it kind of will force our mind into that positive role. I'm not sure if you have anything to say on that, but 
I kind of think that parallels the sort of a contingency plan that you were talking about. Yeah, I think that's great for positivity. Like I was, like I wrote in that article, we oftentimes, uh, studies have shown are predisposed by seven times towards negative thoughts. So anything you can do to, uh, to kind of push yourself in the positive direction. And we have a lot of stressors with, with the coronavirus, with, um, with social media. There's, there's a lot of stressors that haven't been on previous generations that people are feeling right now. Uh, I'm glad you brought up a list. I think a checklist is one of the biggest things that helps me out to structure my day because I'm kind of like a workaholic, probably like a lot of pilots, and that's not a good thing. So for me, when I wake up, when, when my mind is clear, I'll write down the top three things I have to do. And if I get those three things done, then I feel satisfied with the day. I think if you're on the other side of the spectrum, it can help you out too. If you knock out three things, then you can go back to whatever you're doing. So anything you can do to add a little bit of structure will really help out, especially if you're used to flying all the time and now you're at home, you don't really know what to do. Try a checklist. And that's something that all of us pilots are very familiar with. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, if you can gather your thoughts and, uh, I have said oftentimes when I've given advice to my, my, uh, children and the people I've mentored is, is if you can, um, if you can plan, if you can mission plan where you're, what you're about to do, use a checklist or use a plan, that's always going to make the, uh, whatever you're endeavoring to do come out uh, a lot more towards the positive. Justin, I was, uh, I was kind of, uh, refreshed when Lynn, mentioned you and I said, hmm, a fighter pilot who does podcasts. So that, uh, that intrigued me a little bit. I, I want to ask you about that. Do you have a favorite guest or a favorite type of professional that you like to talk to? And um, maybe uh, tell us what your biggest lesson is uh, that you've learned from hosting a podcast. There's no specific profession. So I've had on everybody from uh, fighter pilots to astronauts to uh, Adam Chire, the founder of Siri and your smartphone he's been on. Um, I would say my favorite guest that's been on has been Charlie Plum. He spent 2,103 days as a POW in the Hanoi Hilton. So talk about mental resilience and just the most incredible story of how he was able to survive that. And then when he came home, his wife had remarried the year before because she didn't know he was alive. So just, I mean, it's one of the most gut-wrenching episodes, but how he was able to build his life back after he got home is one of the most inspiring things that I've ever heard. So that's uh, definitely an episode that is is pretty special. And it's great to be able to share that with uh, with some of the listeners that might not know his story. But I think the biggest lesson is most of these professionals find time to kind of look at their life from a high level. So I've had on Chad Hinnings, who is the A-10 pilot who became a three-time Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys. And he calls it his five by five. So whether you call it meditating, whether you get this working out, whether you, his five by five, he spends five minutes, five times of a day, turning off all devices, not talking to anybody, and just sitting alone and thinking about uh, thinking about whatever he wants to to think about, and that helps him. He says to kind of see that bigger picture and not get sucked into uh, like a moth into the flame, which is something that I think we all do with all the fires that are going on in our lives. 
That's uh, that's great. Uh, you mentioned Chad Hennings. I was in at Luke at the uh, Fighter Squadron right next to where you are at the 62nd back in 1995 when he was in the Super Bowl in Phoenix uh, playing against the Steelers, which was my team. And uh, Chad brought a couple of his buddies out to uh, our squadron because one of our squadron mates was a, an academy uh, grad with Chad. And um, my question when they walked in the door was, hey, we're the Steelers. Nobody laughed at that. <laughs> <laughs> But, I don't know. Uh, I've been in the cockpit. Yeah. Chad was one but, of my classmates, by the way. Just oh, throwing oh, that oh, out wow, there. Wow. <laughs> yeah, A10 pilot, Super Bowl champ. That's great. That's great stuff. Um, Lynn, I think you um, you had another question uh, in terms of uh, how how uh, Justin would like to wrap things up and and really give us some lessons learned. Did you want to ask him that? Yeah. Um, Sure. I mean, I just want to thank Justin for taking the time. You know, he's, he's, he's an instructor, busy guy, plus he's got his own podcast. But, you know, just bringing your perspectives to this episode is really important because, you know, we don't have to be a military pilot to relate to what you're talking about because we don't all fly the same aircraft. But we do need the similar skill sets, be effective and successful, um, not distracted, and to be resilient in times of of adversity. I'd just like to you to maybe as we wrap this up, could you give us a good good takeaway on that that point there that I just made? Well, with resilience, I think it comes down to knowing yourself. So when I was in Afghanistan flying those long missions, I realized that you can't stay on for eight hours straight, which is how long we were flying. So I had to find a way to know how stressed I was and then to be able to mitigate it. And for, it can be small things. So for me, that was drinking a sip of water every few minutes. And then I would fly with little peanut butter packs and a protein shake. And so every half an hour, I'd take a little bit of the, the peanut butter and that would help to uh, sustain me because burning a lot of calories flying. But more importantly, I think that was a little mental break. So it can be as small as just either taking a breath or, or drinking Drinking a sip of water, I think those those little things add up quite a bit. That's uh, that's fantastic. I I used to do the same type of thing, but it was with M and M's. One M and M at a time. If I if I started to to fall asleep, I would choke on it. It would wake me up. Uh, <laughs> but but um, and it's been great having you. Great talking to you. I had a, a super time uh, preparing for this and hearing some of your stories. It brought me back in time, and and I know that uh, our, our our listeners will be able to enjoy uh, going back and, and thinking about maybe the time they had in, uh, in the military training or taking some of your insight if they're a civilian and a United Airlines pilot and uh, applying it towards what we do on a daily basis. Lynn, what do we have in store in our upcoming episodes? What can we expect out of piloting your mind? Well, Jim, we've got a couple of episodes that we're working right now. Um, that will include several of our United Pilots uh, giving personal testimonies on how they've used mindfulness um, to their advantage, either with their family or they're in the workplace. We also have a yoga instructor, uh, airline pilot, who's going to come on and talk with Sean and really dive deep into the mindfulness topic to even give us uh, techniques on to practice for breathing because we've had some pilots ask, you know, hey, I, I need to sleep better. Can I have that? And um, Sean and our guest will also talk about what happens physically when we're breathing and why that's important. So we've got a lot of things lined up and um, we hope to bring this to you every two weeks. 
Great. And the elephant in the room for all of us is the upcoming displacements and uh, possible furloughs. So our target audience certainly is going to be under a lot of stress. Uh, Airline Pilots Association, United Airlines Pilots, and anybody who really in the general public that would like to listen to this, we welcome them. And uh, if you can get something positive out of our podcasts, we will certainly appreciate that you stop by and listen to us. For those of you who are listening today, thank you for tuning in to the United MEC Leading Edge podcast, Piloting Your Mind series. To our guest, Major Justin Hazard-Lee, we greatly appreciate your time and talent and thank you for your service, sir. On behalf of the United MEC and all of our ALBA volunteers, fly safe and stay healthy. I'm Captain James Belton.